Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Well, my interest in Bitcoin um, began when I saw the truckers, right? Yeah. And what happened in, in, uh, in Ottawa. Mm-hmm where you had peaceful demonstration of people who were exercising their right uh, to protest and petition public officials for very, very good reasons. Mm -hmm. And and they were silenced and punished by the government in an extraordinary way. The government used uh, surveillance techniques to determine their identities, to determine their license plates of their cars, and then closed their bank accounts and, and... uh, deprive them of their access to their own money without any charges being filed, certainly without any conviction, uh, but simply to silence them. And uh, if the government has the capacity to uh, shut down your bank account to starve you, these are people who could not pay their mortgages. Right. And I talked to one trucker who couldn't pay his alimony and he was getting in you know, criminal trouble with, with his courts. Um, people couldn't pay for their children's uh, clothing and medicine and food. And, um, and of course, they couldn't pay for gasoline to move their vehicles. Mm-hmm. So their credit cards no longer work. Right. And if the government has the capacity to do that, the government has the capacity to enslave us. It is 11.02 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the fifth day of Spooktober. 2023, this is episode 806 of Bitcoin, and let's get right on into it. Well, other than the fact that I guess we should say a few words about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. over there doing his thing, talking about how he got into uh, Bitcoin. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to come back into play, I believe, in the second half of the show. We're going to read a little bit more about what uh, what's going on with that guy. But I really would rather start the news with a couple of uh, really positive developments in Noster um, and the other, you know, the wider ecosystems. Uh, Stacker News has added Noster cross-posting, quote replies, and more. So if you guys have never been to Stacker News, I I don't, I, I really... I advise you to go check it out. You can log in. You can create your account with your Noster InPub. As long as you've got something like, you know, get Albi as a browser extension to hold your private keys. That's why I didn't mind, you know, using all my private and public key pairs uh, for setting stuff up with Stacker News because it does leverage the get Albi uh, extension. And I feel, I mean... Extensions aren't exactly the safest thing in the world, but it is a hell of a lot better than just shove, you know, copying your private key and then pasting it into some God only knows website. At least there's some 
modicum of talk between the website and the the extension. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it does solve some of the problems. But you, I mean, it's a, it's like a one-click thing. If you've got GitAlby as an extension and you haven't set up stacker.news, you really should. So just go to stacker.news and, and check it out, okay? So the first thing is, is that Stacker News it was one of the first, it was one of the first, like, I don't know, it's kind of like set up like an old bulletin board, like an old BBS, right? It, it you know, you can post... I can't post pictures, but you can post markdown stuff. You can post longer notes. You can post shorter notes. Um, you post links and whatnot like that. And it was one of the first people that allowed you to zap other people's posts. And it was, and you could reply to posts and people could zap your replies. It, you know, it's been great. It's been something that I've been using for well over, I don't know, for as long as it's been been around. I think it's been around for over two years now. It has, it come with, it's got its own wallet. You can also, I use Stacker News uh, because it gives me a NIP7 and I can use that for uh, validating my not, you know, my actual Noster pub key. So when somebody sees, you know, my, my Noster pub key or my account or whatever, it'll say like none your business at Stacker News dot whatever. Right. So it, it allows me to do all manner of stuff. Stacker News is, is, really coming along and now they're allowing cross posting to Noster. So let me just read you this from no bullshit, Bitcoin, uh, dot com. This is no, or sorry, rather no BS, Bitcoin.com stacker.news added Noster cross posting quote replies and more quote PR merging vacation. Take a knee contributors pull request for new features will not be merged. At least not by me until I finish personalized feeds. Please continue to send in PRs. It just might be slightly slower turnaround than usual, said Koob. And he's one of the, well, the creator of of Stacker News. Uh, Quote, please shout loud about any bugs that you find. So what's new? Rewards update. Rewards are now random. Every night I give a cowboy a bottle of whiskey and he flips a coin. If it lands on heads, we reward the top 33% of the post and comments. If it lands on tails, we reward the zappers of the top 33% of posts and comments. Here it is, the big one. Noster cross-posting. This was done by uh, at Bitcoin Pleb Dev. It requires a NIP07 extension. It only applies to discussions currently. More More is planned. You can set it to repost on a per post basis in the options pane or default to cross posting in settings. And that's what I've done in mine is I've actually gone to my settings and just checked the little thing that says cross post to Noster. Now, what does that mean? I'm I'm pausing for the rest of this because I want to, I want to focus in on this cross posting issue. So what happens? Well, I go to stacker.news. I'm in my account and then I put in like a post. I don't, it doesn't really matter what it is. And then I hit send and it immediately goes to stacker.news. And then it starts looking for relays to pop that note out to. So it's using the Noster protocol to be able to communicate with, well, the Noster protocol. Once it hits a relay, then it's in, it's in the Noster ecosystem. And I've tested it. 
it works, it's beautiful, and I I think we need to really get away from this issue where people are saying that cross-posting to other platforms is bad. I have never understood that sentiment, ever, not once. Maybe a long time ago when there wasn't like a bazillion different ways to get your message out, there was only like, I don't know, you know, a couple of handfuls of really well-used things. Maybe I could see it then. But now you've got to recreate your, you know, your community like everywhere you go. And honestly, I'm sick and tired of it. This is one of the reasons, if not, if, if I had one reason to take with me, one reason to use Noster that I had to take with me to a deserted island for the rest of my life, it would be the fact that I don't have to continuously recreate my community. Every, for every single platform that I go see. Stacker News technically is not a Noster platform because it was built before Noster came into play. Yet they, the guys over at, at, at Stacker News, understand what it is that I want. Now, I didn't suggest this to them, but they're reading my mind. They're like, you know what? We're just going to leverage Noster. And for all the platforms that figure this out, you will survive. The rest of them, the walled gardens, they're all going to die, man. They're, they're in the process of dying. And then eventually they'll just be these crispy, ugly, nasty, dead walled gardens because the water flow was cut off. You don't want to be in those. You want to be at places like Stacker News who understand the importance of not having to recreate your community every time you go to another platform. It's ridiculous. So now I get a situation where I can just post to Stacker News and it's automatically going to populate over to Noster. What it doesn't do, or at least right now, is if I post something to Noster, it does not auto-populate into Stacker.News and they're probably going to keep it that way. What it also will not do is that if if I write something in Stacker News and it populates to Noster and somebody replies to that on Noster, I do not think that it's going to populate back over, the reply isn't going to populate as a reply back over to Stacker.News. Maybe one of these days it will. I think that would be really cool personally, but right now I don't think that that's actually happening. Anyway, if you haven't figured, if you haven't started using Stacker News, I highly recommend doing so. Get on that right now as quick as possible. Um, you can do also do um, quote replies now on stacker.news and a whole bunch of other stuff like date range selection and searches, mention autocompletes. They've really gone and, and done like, it's almost like they've added a whole shit ton of features all of a sudden. So if you have used Stacker News in the past and haven't seen it lately, you need to go back and check all this stuff out. If you've never used Stacker News ever, then you need to go check it out. So there's all that. Now, let's get into this one. Latin American crypto scene shows no signs of stopping, according to a report. Pedro Salimano for Decrypt. The bear market may have primarily struck the global north. According to a joint report published today by the University of Cambridge and the Inter-American Development Bank, the Latin American and Caribbean region known as the LAC 
saw significant growth from 2020 to 2022. Between June and August of last year, a combination of 80 private enterprises and public sector institutions were surveyed, spawning the, quote, crypto asset ecosystem in Latin America and the Caribbean report. The analysis crunched data from the Cambridge Fintech Ecosystem Atlas, a dynamic visualization of the crypto industry. It tallied 175 companies in the region in 2022, of which 100 were headquartered or incorporated in LAC, altogether showing that the crypto industry is more than doubled, doubled since 2016. While interest in crypto remained strong throughout, The report uncovered that the motivations driving investors have changed over the years. Speculation led the way before 2020 with respondents answering that they were mostly driven by profiting from rising asset prices. Nowadays, hedging from inflation and devaluation is considered the most important reason to purchase crypto, followed by remittances and cross-border payments placed third. According to the research, Brazil, Argentina, and Mexico host the largest number of crypto companies, with the first leading the way in the three main market segments. Those are exchanges by 74%, and then digital payment companies by 41%, and crypto custody solutions by 27%. Regulation was a main focal point for the research and is considered by most respondents as the top hindrance to a bigger and more developed crypto industry in the region. Andres Hume co-founder of crypto compliance company Notabene, etched, well, echoed this last point. He told Decrypt that the region is more lax than our northern hemisphere counterparts, which translates into limiting the masses from accessing crypto, end quote. Jung built the first Bitcoin exchange in Chile, along with Ethereum's self-sovereign identity platform, Uport. He reckons the crypto industry in the region is not very big, but is bullish on the ecosystem. Quote, I see a lot of talent and excitement from the communities, said Jung. This view is shared by Romina Sejas, who organizes, oh God, Eth Latam and Eth Kipu and is a core member of Seed Latam. She told Decrypt that although the number of new users might be down, she sees the local industry growing and getting stronger. Sejas added that there is a push from Web3 builders to professionalize the industry and get out of their niche. With six years in the industry, Seha said she is surprised by how much talent abounds in the ecosystem, both in the region and worldwide. She explained how Latin America can serve as a stress test before going global thanks to the inherent challenges of an emerging region. As for how things have changed since the report was researched last year, Jung pointed out that the crypto winter is very much ongoing. Quote, I don't see many new companies wanting to enter crypto, he's told Decrypt, although he offered optimism from another angle. Quote, what I do see is ever more interest from traditional financial institutions trying to find their way into crypto. So that that's the end of the, the article, but I want to reread this. Sejas said she is surprised by how much talent abounds in the ecosystem, both in the region and worldwide. She explained how Latin America can serve as a stress test before going global. And right there is where I think she's not giving Latin America the kudos that Latin America actually deserves. This is not testing it out in a garage. Latin America is not 
your neighbor's garage where they're building the next Microsoft or the next Uber or whatever else was ever built in the Harley Davidson was started in a garage. All Apple started in a garage. You know, all this shit started in garages. Latin America is not your neighbor's garage. It is a vibrant community that comprises the bulk the the bulk of the landmass of western of the western hemisphere it's not a garage it's not a stress test it's not something that you do before going global it's a major chunk of the world and in the fact and i know it's like i i said ethereum a couple of times and eth a couple of times it's this that's just the bent of decrypt i can't get around that <clears throat> The reason that I talk about Latin America like I do is because it is not to be slept on, right? The future of at least the Western Hemisphere, if not the world, is Latin America. They've been beaten down for so long, and they're they're just done. I'm starting to see cracks in the this, the pavement that the United States and the rest of the West has put over the surface of Latin America, I'm seeing daisies start to crack through it because nature will not be stopped and neither will the Latin American people. So understand that this shit's exploding in Latin America and the fact that Argentina is on that list behind Brazil is a huge deal. That's a huge deal considering the problems and the pain that Argentina has been going through for the last decades and is really starting, the screws are really starting to tighten in on them over the last few months. Shit's going to go ballistic. It's going nuclear in Latin America. Stress test my ass. Continuing on. In-person connections. Bitcoin's true superpower. This one is from Bitcoin Magazine, written by Joel Kai Lenz. It was 12.45 a.m. on a Friday, out and about in Riga, Latvia. Without going into too much detail, I was having a good time with fellow Bitcoin and Lightning folks. I was there for the Baltic Honey Badger Conference, one organized by plebs, four plebs. And you could feel this. Everyone was eager to help and understand what other people in the ecosystem were doing or were there to learn. We stood outside a bar where all the drinks were paid for with Bitcoin, and people seemed to be enjoying themselves. At that moment, I stood back, looked around, and observed what was happening. Most of us were far away from home, in a foreign town, at almost 1 a.m. Yet, we only talked about Bitcoin and how we will use it to make the world a better place. That's where it hit me. Although we tend to fight on Twitter, all while looking like absolute lunatics in the end, we managed to agree on one thing. It doesn't matter what your background is. For some weird reason, we tend to blend in once we meet in real life. Meeting fellow Bitcoiners in real life, making those connections, and using the time to discuss ideas or even set up new businesses are the best things about this community. It's also the perfect time to clear the air and have better conversations than what we have on social media. And this got me thinking, what if there is more to Bitcoin than the benefits we're all familiar with? What if there is a secret superpower to it, one we haven't fully utilized yet? In-person connections. One of Bitcoin's core ethos is that 
Uh, well, that of the cypherpunk movement. It values logic and code above all else. Doing so eliminates human error and corruption, which have always been issues for humankind. Cypherpunks envision a more decentralized world where everyone has total control over their identity, privacy, and online rights. Bitcoiners know how important all of these points are. However, most people don't care that big tech monetizes their data. The pioneers of the cypherpunk movement saw this coming a long time ago. Instead of keeping to themselves, they went on the offense and publicly stated their goals and ideas and why government snooping would be an issue in the future. What might have started small quickly turned into something big, and before they knew it, a group of cypherpunks had to defend the right to encrypt in front of the Supreme Court in the United States. The U.S. government was so frightened by encryption that they took on a group of mathematicians and cryptographers. Imagine that. <coughs> this small group of enthusiasts built a social movement first to educate and show people why we need mass encryption and how dangerous an authoritarian state is. Out of that, they created the tools and software we now use on a daily basis. Think of PGP, HTTPS, or messengers like Simplex. In order for us to accept and use encryption, we had to have a social movement with which we could identify ourselves. It might not be that most people who are privacy conscious these days know of the cypherpunks, but they keep their values alive. The ideas that were planted 40 years ago still hold true today. The same should be possible for Bitcoin. To achieve this, we as the Bitcoin community need to be more proactive and transform our online communities into more than debates online, but actually into real-world connections. Just like the cypherpunks did back in the day, we need to strengthen the social movement first, either by organizing events or by providing physical copies of essays, books, and thought pieces to read. If we only stick to the digital realm, which is easier because Bitcoin is digital through and through, we miss out on many great chances to strengthen the social movement. Or even worse, we fall victim to the ever-increasing censorship mechanism we see online. Most Bitcoin debates occur online, either on Twitter, Nostr, or in other chat-based forums. This is part of the day-to-day -day life for most of us as we seek to engage with all of our friends online. However, this comes with an enormous sacrifice for most of us. We have to play according to the rules of these platforms, which means we get gate-kept, censored, or in some cases, blocked. Our biggest issue is being kept out of the loop and not reachable to people looking in from the outside. Sure, there is always the argument that people can go the extra mile and find other sources or ways to engage. The sad truth is that only some do. Regular people don't take the extra steps to read a different source or go to a platform other than the social media site that they're used to. If there is a one-stop solution, they're most likely to use that. One step to solve this is to use Bitcoin-friendly places like Noster. Not only because you can experience lightning through zaps, but also because it's a protocol where users can decide how they want to engage. <clears throat> Currently, it might be the best solution to onboard everyday people and show them the difference between open protocol and closed platforms. However, we're exchanging time for something digital. Getting users on... Nostra will take a lot of effort from the community and Nostra builders. Luckily, we've had a secret superpower for a long time, and I believe we've not been using it to the best of our abilities. 
we need to do better and connect with as many people as possible in real life. Thus far, we've established that Bitcoin needs more real life connections to break free from digital censorship and to make it more accessible to people worldwide. One way of doing so is to use places like Noster, connect with as many people as possible, and move the conversation from a digital dialogue to a physical one, either by organizing an event, attending a conference to strengthen that bond, or heading out to town and trying to orange pill people. All of that can be organized on social media or online, but it's tricky. Some people might not be comfortable sharing where they are or strictly use their profile to help spread the message in a particular manner. This is where the Bitcoin social layer comes in. I'm a big fan of Orange Pill app, a dedicated app to meet Bitcoins nearby or Bitcoiners nearby and engage with them directly. The idea is not to spend or yeah, spend your day endlessly scrolling in the app, but rather to actually find people nearby, connect and find a place to meet in real life. It takes the digital realm out of the equation and only uses the app to show you Bitcoiners nearby. Because you already know that all users are there uh, on there are Bitcoiners and want to help the ecosystem out, there's no need to make small talk or try to figure out if the person you're engaging with wants to meet. Most users on Orange Pill app are engaging to meet fellow plebs. Personally, I love using the OPA at conferences because it facilitates meeting fellow visitors and potentially meeting connections in real life. I also like such apps to do some orange pilling, both for merchants and private people. I can show a small business that there's a large group of potential customers around. All they need to do is accept Bitcoin or even better, get the app and engage. And the same applies to people who have yet to embark on the journey down the rabbit hole. If they can see fellow Bitcoiners nearby, possibly even find plebs who share similar interests and get on board this way, the whole community benefits by expanding with local Bitcoin hubs. We need such bridges between the digital and physical worlds right now. The Bitcoin movement is silent. It grows only in the background. And I believe it's time to put it up front and make it available to as many people as possible. All right, so again, yes, we do. We need more meetups. And it would be nice if those meetups were like not just Bitcoin meetups, but had something about lightning in them. And most of them do, but a lot of them don't talk about Noster. And I think that between these three infrastructures, the Bitcoin infrastructure, the lightning network infrastructure, and the Noster infrastructure, you've got most of your, most of the worldwide problems. The, their solution is in the potential of those three protocols, especially when they start working together. And when they work together, my God Almighty, do they work together? It's like pure synergy. And if we can spill that out into the real world, then. God help the normies because this shit's going to change real quick. But the the man has a point. If we do nothing but argue with each other or agree with each other online 100% of the time, we really are missing out. There's no Bitcoin meetups where I'm at. And you'll say, well, you need to start one. Yes, I do. I got to get some other crap worked out first. I have a whole life that I actually have to get straight. 
before I start doing stuff. And you'll say, well, you should do it anyway. No, the things that I need to get straight take precedence. They absolutely positively must be solved first. Otherwise, I end up creating something that has my personal noise injected into it. So there could be one reason why there's not a whole bunch of us, you know, just like spilling out into the streets and meeting each other, other all the time. Because right now, the real world outside is in is on fire. There are real problems that people are suffering from. And a lot of these problems absolutely positively have to get fixed. And I that I know is anathema to what we were just reading. But these are the realities of life. If we can fix some of these problems, you know, the, the problems like if you're anxious or if you're, you know, if you're like so anxious that you have, you now have a drinking problem, get rid of the goddamn drinking problem. If you're overeating because you just like, that's the way that you're dealing with some of the crap outside, because there's a lot of crap outside. Let's be honest. Stop overeating. If you're not exercising, if you're not getting at least a daily walk in start, that will help get you into a mindset that you can start focusing in on what is causing you to do these things in the first place. Stop doing those things and you'll have the energy to look at what's causing them and then fix that. Once we start fixing all this crap for ourselves, I guarantee you we will start spilling out into the streets in ways that (laughs) that we can only imagine. Now, Moving on from there, again, Bitcoin Magazine, this one from Reed McDonald, Jack Dorsey's block is quietly shipping test versions of its brand new BitKey Bitcoin wallet. It appears financial services giant block is closer to going public with its first Bitcoin hardware wallet product. Teased yesterday by a beta tester, the images offer a first glimpse of block's new Bitcoin hardware wallet first announced back in 2022. The reveal, or it reveals a small hexagon-shaped device complete with a fingerprint sensor, which adds an extra layer of biometric security to the device. The unveiling comes on the heels of several hints and teasers from Block, the financial services company co-founded by Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. Block's entry into the hardware wallet market comes at a time when Bitcoin self-custody is of paramount importance as evidenced by the ongoing trial of disgraced former FTX uh, CEO Sam Bankman-Fried. Bankman-Fried's mismanagement of the exchange contributed to the loss of billions worth of customers' crypto. Yeah, I know, I know. In previous reports, Dorsey has hinted at the company's vision for the hardware wallet, emphasizing the importance of allowing customers to maintain full control over their Bitcoin holdings. The device is expected to align with this philosophy, allowing users to securely manage their Bitcoin assets independently. To that end, Block's hardware wallet is anticipated to be competitively priced, ensuring that more individuals can participate in the crypto ecosystem without breaking the bank. Hardware wallets today typically retail for between 50 and 100 bucks. That's a pretty good price, though prices vary depending on the make and the model. While the initial image of the hardware wallet offers a tantalizing glimpse of what's to come, the Bitcoin community eagerly awaits further details, including release date, pricing, and additional features. Yeah, that's the end of the article, but here's my thing. I don't like the fingerprint 
I don't know what's going on with that fingerprint. At one point or another, you're going to have to connect this device to uh, like Electrum so that it can figure out, scan the, the, the Bitcoin blockchain. If you're going to be able to send and receive, you know, set up new wallets, do all, all this stuff. If you're actually going to utilize this thing, it's going to have to connect. How do I know that fingerprint isn't coming along for a digital ride? That's what I want to know. So just just saying. All right. U.S. Treasury sanctions crypto wallets as authorities are cracking down on fentanyl. Okay. Fentanyl. And that's going to be in the news twice today. Turner Wright is doing this one for Cointelegraph. The Office of Foreign Asset Control, or OFAC, of the United States Department of the Treasury has sanctioned crypto wallets allegedly connected to individuals and companies involved in producing fentanyl. In an October 3rd notice, the U.S. Justice Department announced indictments against several China-based chemical manufacturers as well as many of their employees who allegedly use crypto transactions as part of an illegal fentanyl precursor distribution scheme. According to U.S. authorities, the companies, quote, tend to use cryptocurrency transactions to conceal their identities, identifying at least three individuals who held crypto wallets for payments. OFAC added wallets for Bitcoin, Ether, USD coin, Tether, and Tron connected to Chinese nationals and Valerian Labs to its list of specially designated nationals along with companies including Han Hong Pharmaceutical Technologies and Hebe Kroval Biotech. According to Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adaimo, the enforcement action was aimed at disrupting an illicit drug network. Quote, we have identified and blocked over a dozen virtual currency wallets associated with these actors, said Adoimo. The blocked wallets, which received millions of USD funds over hundreds of deposits, illustrates the scope and scale of the operation targeted today. Many lawmakers have urged action on cracking down on the distribution of fentanyl in the U.S., where the drug was estimated to be responsible for more than 67,000 deaths in 2021 alone. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, an outspoken critic of digital assets, called out potential links between crypto payments and drug trafficking in a May hearing. The first week in October also marked the 10th year anniversary uh, for Ross Ulbricht being sent to prison, the founder of the online marketplace Silk Road. Many criticized the platform facil- for, for facilitating the drug trade by allowing payments with crypto assets, but Ulbricht sa- still has his supporters in the crypto space. I have no idea why they included that very last paragraph. It's very poorly written as well. So um, just be aware the United States government is quote unquote sanctioning these wallets. Um, Privacy best practices is all I've got to say. Privacy best practices. Also, just don't get into the fentanyl trade. That would make everything much easier. Because even according to Reuters, now take all this with a grain of salt, but according to Reuters, El Chapo's sons bar fentanyl production in Sinaloa, according to Banners. And again, this is out of Reuters. A powerful faction of the Sinaloa cartel led by the sons of ex-Mexican drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman has banned fentanyl production and sales in Sinaloa, according to roadside banners, though analysts doubted the group would leave such a profitable business. 
the banners that appeared in the northern Sinaloa state on Monday, known as Narcomantas, were signed by Los Chapitos, a grouping of brothers who took over their father's criminal empire when Guzman was extradited to the United States in 2017. It is unclear who put up the banners, festooned to bridges and overpasses. They appeared at a time when U.S. authorities are ramping up pressure on Mexico to take action against crime groups involved in fentanyl production. The U.S. government this year portrayed Los Chapitos, or the Little Chapos, as the principal providers of fentanyl into the United States. And last month, Ovidio Guzman, the youngest of the four Los Chapitos brothers, was extradited to the United States. Quote, the sale, manufacture, transportation, or any type of business involving the substance known as fentanyl is strictly prohibited in Sinaloa, the banners said. Leo Silva, a former U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration agent who worked in Mexico, said the banners were likely an attempt by Los Chapitos to shift the blame for fentanyl production onto others. Quote, coupled with extradition of one of the brothers, it's a ploy to take the heat off of them. I don't see them stopping production, Silva said. In July, Sinaloan investigative outlet Ridoche reported that Los Chapitos had told producers in Cuilcán, the state capital, to stop manufacturing fentanyl. Soon afterwards, bodies were discovered of men who had been tortured and had fentanyl pills dumped on them in an apparent signal to others. It was also not clear if Los Chapitos could enact such a ban across Sinaloa as much of the territory is controlled by El Chapo's old partner Ishmael or El Mayo Zimbada, who runs another powerful grouping of the cartel. Silva doubted Los Chapitos would stay away from fentanyl. Quote, it's too much money to turn down or to turn their backs on, he said. So this is an interesting, I've never seen this happen. I've never, I've never seen any drug cartel out of Latin America, whether it's Colombia or freaking Nicaragua or Mexico, it just none of them have ever turned their back on a product. So it calls into question what the hell's going on down there. But when this is tied to these quote unquote, uh, you know, blacklisting of these wallets that are tied to fentanyl, even though those were in China, I you know, it causes one to wonder. What the hell's going on with this whole fentanyl trade? But, you know, it is what it is, and we have numbers to run. CNBC, futures and commodities, energy getting hit hard. Oil, crude oil especially, has been just tanking the last couple of days. West Texas Intermediate is down another 2.22% to $82.35. Four days ago, we were at 92 bucks, So we've dropped $10 in like four days, right? So just understand. And Brent North Sea, eh, picture's not looking very much uh, rosier for them either. 2.06% to the downside to $84.04. And lo and behold, we have natural gas which is up over seven points to $3.17 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline continues its downward spiral by almost 0.4%, $2.18. Uh, guarantee you ain't going to find that price at a pump, though. 
All your shiny metal rocks are having a bad day. Gold is down 0.06% to 18.33 and 70 cents. Silver is down a third. Platinum is down almost a point. Copper is down three quarters. And palladium is down just over two points. Ag is pretty much mixed, mostly in the green, however. Uh, Wheat is up in the biggest winner today, 3.04% to the upside. Biggest loser is lumber, 1.7% to the downside. Live cattle is down a third. Lean hogs are up 4.34%. Holy crap. And feeder cattle are down 0.16%. The Dow is down scant 0.04. S&P is down 0.16%. NASDAQ is down a third. And S&P mini is down one-fifth of one point. It looks like It looks like all of the interest rates on bonds have decreased today because all the face values, uh, 30 year is up 0.03%, 10 year is up 0.2%, five year is up 0.17%, and the two year face value is up 0.06%. So it looks like interest rates have dived a little bit, probably because oil is coming down. That's what one of the things that really screws with interest or uh, inflation is high energy prices because everything has got to be shipped and it all burns gas or diesel, whatever, right? So there's that. Now, because I had a, a request to do the DXY or the, the dollar index, it is down 0.43% today to 106.34. And real money is at $27,500. Average transaction value is almost a full Bitcoin, y'all. Median transaction values are $332.63. Block times are high. 10 minutes, 31 seconds. We've got 0.2 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 26.9 taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period with a steep drop in hash rate of 14.69%. We're back down to 378.5 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, as always, is Doge, 6.1 United States pennies. $537.1 billion is the market cap for Bitcoin. That is 4.35% of gold's market cap. You can now purchase 15 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,504,655 and a half of and 5,253 of them sons of bitches are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $144.6 million. 14,874 nodes is the amount of nodes that we can see, and they're sporting 64,108 payment channels that we can see, and 82.8% of all of it's being run over Tor. Now, mempools. Mempools, what do they look like today? Well, not terrible, but not as light as they had been the last couple of days. We're looking at 72 blocks carrying 41,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. High priority transactions going to cost you 24 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priorities at 16. Anything under two Satoshis per V-byte is going to be purged from mempools around the world. And mining is showing, mempool.space is showing mining at 385 exahashes per second. So there you go. I am way down in the charts on fountain charts. That's okay because I still have my friends like Fatoshi with 21,021 sats says, stay humble, transact value for value. I love the tinfoil hattery. There is so much that we do without thinking just because we've programmed ourselves that way by ourselves. I mean, humanity, it's not always bad or even planned. 
There is a theory knowledge only exists through the intermediary of language and that our language is a reflection of our accumulated knowledge. All so much BS. The action item is to think about the words in your head and how they got there. Cheers. Some nice sentiments there. Wartime Psycho with 10,000. Satoshi says, been loving the rants the past few episodes. I appreciate that. Riverside BTC meetup with 10,000. Satoshi says, I don't quite understand the boost prism tag, but it sounds amazing. I'll try it out with my next blog. Uh, We're going to get into that here in a second. Uh, Riverside, I promise. Hold on. Just hold on to your hats, okay? Pies with 100 sats says, thank you, sir. Wartime Psycho replies, says, thank you. And Fatoshi replies to that one and says, thank who? Well, you can thank me. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. And, you know, Riverside was asking about the, the boost tag. Uh, this is www.makeprisms.com. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and put it right here so that everyone listening in Zap.stream or watching Zap.stream can see it. I really wish that makeprisms.com would have a much lengthier description of what's going on so there right now there exists two tags two tags one is the dollar sign boost tag the other which they added like a couple of days ago is the dollar sign comment tag now the boost tag Here's what makeprisms.com says about it. This is their descriptor. The first 10 users who repost will be included in the prism. And in the dollar sign comment, it says the first 10 users who comment will be included in the prism. So if I put out a, like some note, it says like dollar sign boost. If you repost that note and you're one of the first 10 people to do it, you will be included in the prism. That prism is made by somebody else. Specifically, it's made by Make Prisms. And they have their own Noster NPUB or an NSEC uh, account that does that. It does. You don't have to worry about it. All you got to do is include, like, if you, I, like you want, People to repost something. Well, then by God, put in the boost tag. That's dollar sign boost. And if I boost it and I'm one of the 10 people that boost it and the prism is made, then I will be included in any zaps that that prism gets. So I know it's it's always confusing. So we'll do, we'll do this. We'll look at the makeprisms.com and see if their description helps. To create one of these things. You type a prism tag in any kind one event on any client to initiate a prism. The prism will be created based on the first mention of the prism tag. Only users with a lightning address will be included in the prism. 
Type a lister after the PRISM tag to limit the PRISM members to that list. For example, dollar sign boost, hashtag followers. That means that the only people that can be included are the people in, in the PRISM will be the people that are followers or, of yours already and have boosted that note. Now, once with the PRISM will finally post once it's full or after 12 hours. Zap the PRISM with any client that supports paying Zap splits such as snort.social, amethyst, and zapper.nosterapps.org. Pay the PRISM anytime and as many times as you'd like. All right, so what happens then? So you will be, like if your boost made it, either it like went 12 hours or it got boosted 10 times before that, you will be notified by Pris, at PRISM posts that your PRISM is now live. And if you zap that PRISM, because you'll get it, you'll, you'll get the PRISM. It'll be in your notifications. It looks like any other Noster note. It'll say, hey, your PRISM's live. You know, zap this note to give your the people that help boost your note some money. And then you zap that note and it splits evenly for all the 10 people that boosted or all the 10 people that commented I've got a Nostra node out there that has both boost and comment and waiting to see how that works. But this is all fresh. This is all new. Don't worry about the fact that it's a little confusing. But essentially, this is how you do it. I will be covering this again, I promise, because it is confusing, but the utility is so high that there is no reason not to continue talking about this like forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. On to some more news. FTX Exploiter moves $36.8 million in Ether as Sam Bankman-Fried's trial starts. Aha! If you forgot, yes, FTX got exploited. The crypto wallet address linked to the FTX Exploiter moved roughly $36.8 million worth of Ether in the last 24 hours amid the ongoing court trials of the defunct crypto exchanges ex-CEO Sam Bankman-Fried. Accounts linked to FTX and FTX.us were drained of $600 million on November the 11th, 2022, just hours after the crypto exchange had filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. At the time... FTX General Counsel Ryan Miller informed traders about the hack caused by the malware. Quote, FTX has been hacked. Chat is open. Please don't go to the FTX site as it might download Trojans. Note that some funds were retrieved. End quote. After nearly 10 months of silence, the FTX exploiter began siphoning out the stolen funds, starting with a transfer of 10,250 ETH worth $17.1 million via four addresses between September the 30th and October the 1st confirms data from Spot On Chain. The exploiter initially held 175,500 ETH worth $294 million. However, the current balance in their portfolio has come down to $196 million as shown below, and they do indeed show it below. <clears throat> Out of the lot, 64 or 65,000 Ether worth $108 million was transferred through the Thor chain router and 52 ETH to the railgun contract. The remaining 2,500 ETH was swapped for Bitcoin. 
The trial of SBF in connection with the collapse of FTX began on October the 3rd. The entrepreneur has pled not guilty to all seven counts. On the second day of the trial, the Department of Justice and SBF's defense team provided their statements in front of the jury while the DOJ continues to focus on its arguments on SBF's alleged role in misleading investors. Right, so th- th- if you forgot, yes, $600 million worth of Ether were stolen from FTX and FTX US November the 11th of last year. And now those funds are starting to move. And you got to ask yourself, is it just trolling? Where are they moving to? Are they going to an exchange? I mean, some of them were converted directly to Bitcoin, but I just wonder if somebody's just messing with SBF and his defense lawyers' uh, minds, or even the judge, or even the whole cryptosphere, just moving it around just just to have some fun, because that shit, we forgot about all of that because it's never moved. That's how easy it is to forget about something. That's how easy it is to forget about exploits. If the funds don't ever move, nobody has a reason to report on it. And it just gets, the whole thing just gets lost. Well, this shit moved. And it happened to move right in step with the trial of FTX Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, speaking of Sam Bankman-Fried, he lied, lied, he's lying according to the DOJ, the defense tries to pin FTX collapse on Carolyn Ellison. And this is Coindesk, and it's written by Nicholas Day, Helene Braun, and Sam Kessler. Uh, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried's entire crypto empire was a house of cards, and it was built upon a lie, the U.S. Department of Justice said in its opening statement at the FTX founder's trial. Bankman Fried's defense team countered that the one-time FTX founder acted in good faith, even as his businesses grew too quickly and collapsed dramatically through no fault of his own, his lawyer said. They assigned some of the blame to one of his employees, his former paramour, Carolyn Ellison, and said she failed to install safeguards. Ellison has already pleaded guilty and will testify during the trial. Oh, that should be fun. Bankman Fried's criminal trial on fraud and conspiracy charges kicked off Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. in New York. Assistant U.S. Attorney Nathan Wren told the 12-person jury that the government would present evidence and expert witnesses that would prove the former crypto king, quote, lied to his customers and used their money to buy himself money, power, and influence. Quote, he poured money, other people's money, into investments, Reen said. He spent that money in all sorts of ways on himself. Bankman Fried's lawyers argued in their opening statement that the former FTX founder and Alameda Research never meant to steal customers' money. He was simply overwhelmed by the speed at which both his businesses grew. Quote, he did not intend to steal from anyone, said the defense's lead lawyer, Mark Cohen, to jurors selected earlier Wednesday. He also said that Bankman Fried acted in good faith and that he didn't defraud anyone. The FTX app and terms of service told customers the money they put on the exchange was being kept for them as if they were sitting right there. But in reality, Bankman Fried diverted those funds to a smaller and secretive company called Alameda Research, and spent them on luxuries for himself, his friends, and family members. Reen told the court, In addition, Bankman Fried used the money to make political donations that allowed him to curry favor with powerful people on Capitol Hill. 
Quote, you will learn the defendant took billions of dollars from accounts holding customer funds and he spent it. And customers had no way to know, Reen said. Bankman Fry took more than $10 billion with a B out of FTX to pay its sister company, Alameda Research, debts in May and June of 2022 and attempted to orchestrate a cover-up by ordering the creation of false financial statements, Reen added. He also testified before Congress alleging FTX had never stolen customer funds, he said. However, that lie blew up when Alameda's financial statements were leaked online, Reen said, referencing Coindesk's award-winning reporting on an internal document from Alameda that set into motion FTX's collapse last fall. Still, Bankman Fried attempted to cover his tracks, tweeting false reassurances to his customers, instructing his employees to set up his company's internal communication platforms to auto-magically delete messages between him and his employees and falsifying contracts and other documents, Reen said. The DOJ plans to present documents, investor files, financial statements, and Bankman Fried's own deleted tweets during the course of the trial in addition to witness testimony, he said. Cohen started his opening statement in defense of Bankman Fried by asking the jurors to judge based on real life experiences and said he would explain what really happened. Moments earlier, an assistant U.S. attorney told jurors that the former crypto mogul lied to the world and stole money while continuously promising customers that their assets on FTX were safe. The defense claimed that the government was taking things out of context. Rather than being a thief, Bankman Fried was someone who worked really hard and whose companies grew very quickly, where hundreds of decisions had to be made every day, Cohen said. Quote, no CEO, and certainly not Sam, could be anywhere and do everything, quote, Cohen said. Jesus, God, this is sad. The government also told jurors how closely intertwined the supposedly separate entities of Alameda Research and FTX were, and that Bankman Fried, even after he stepped down from his role as CEO, remained very involved in Alameda Research's business decisions. The defense said there's nothing wrong with that, and that Bankman Fried remained a majority owner in Alameda, which is why he continued to be highly involved. He also explained that FTX needed liquidity, and that Alameda Research took on the role of a market maker, quote, totally normal, Cohen said. The defense took a shot at the government's key witness, Ellison, and former FTX executives Gary Wang and Nishad Singh, saying they were testifying due to cooperation agreements. Quote, cooperation in the real world means testifying in a way that supports the government's case. That should overhang everything they say. Cohen said. In the months leading up to the trial, Bankman Fried's lawyer, lawyers have said they would argue that the former crypto mogul acted in good faith when he loaned funds to FTX and Alameda executives and in no way meant to defraud customers, investors, or lenders. Both the defense's and prosecutor's opening statements came after Judge Kaplan picked a jury of 12 individuals on Wednesday. Those jurors were selected from a group of over 80 prospective jurors who appeared in court on Tuesday and were asked a variety of questions, both work-related and personal. 
Before the DOJ made its opening argument, Judge Kaplan read a set of preliminary instructions to the jury for about 20 minutes, reminding the 12 jurors and six alternates not to conduct any research. He also explained how they should evaluate testimony and weigh it against and alongside other evidence like the FTX and Alameda internal documents. Opening arguments did not count as evidence, he said, likening them to movie trailers. Quote, your job is to decide the facts, to come to a conclusion about what happened, Kaplan told the jurors, later adding that he will teach them everything they need to know about the law and how to apply it to reach a verdict. Oh, that sounds like a fun time. Sorry, but prosecutor's first witness was a French commodities trader named Marc Antoine Juliard, who lost around $134,000 as an FTX customer. Based in London, he told the jury that he opened an account on FTX.com in 2021 when crypto assets were booming. After doing his own due diligence on the exchange and its then-CEO Bankman Fried reading news articles and posts on Twitter, Juilliard said he frequently traded Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies through FTX. Prosecutors' initial line of questioning for Juilliard focused on Bankman-Fried's carefully cultivated public image and hinted at opposition to some of the defense opening argument. Bankman-Fried came across as the leader and face of crypto, the witness recalled, adding that several venture capital companies had invested in FTX, which to the commodities trader seemed like a vote of confidence in the platform and its CEO. In response to a series of questions from Assistant U.S. Attorney Danielle Kudla, Juilliard said that he traded crypto assets on the exchange and would check his FTX app for updates on his trades and asset prices daily, almost hourly. Kudla walked Juilliard into an almost immediate rebuttal of an argument made by the defense in its opening statements, asking him if he engaged in margin trading. The defense argued margin traders, under the FTX terms of service, could have had their funds moved by the exchange behind the scenes. Quote, I would not, he said. Even as potential problems at FTX became headline news in November 2022, Juilliard initially left his funds on the service. He said he was reassured by a series of tweets from Bankman Fried, which Kudla presented to the jury, wherein the FTX founder insisted the exchange was solvent and did not invest client funds. Once Juilliard ultimately tried to withdraw his funds on November the 8th, a day after the tweet thread was posted, he said he was unsuccessful. Kudla asked if Juilliard ever expected anyone else would trade his FTX-based funds on his behalf. Quote, if I trade, I'm responsible for my own decisions. If someone else traded on my account and they lose money, that's not what I signed up for. End quote. Juilliard said he still wasn't able to access any of his funds. A second witness, Adam Yadida, described himself as a longtime friend of Bankman Fried who met the defendant while the two were studying together at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Yadida told the court he served a brief stint at Alameda before working as an engineer at FTX, but he resigned last year after he learned that Alameda Research had used customer deposits to pay back creditors. Yadida testified under a grant of immunity, meaning prosecutors won't charge him for any crimes based on what he says in court. In response to one set of questions from the assistant U.S. attorney Daniel Sassoon, Yadida walked the jury through a brief explanation of cryptocurrencies. His explanation was followed up by a visual aid produced by FTX. 
the animated crypto explainer video served the double task of clarifying basic blockchain concepts for the jury and showcasing how Bankman Fried positioned FTX as an ethics motivated blockchain company focused on equity and serving underbanked communities. Prosecutors also showed Yadida and the jury a number of FTX ads that specifically zeroed in on the exchange's proclaimed safety and targeting towards retail investors. Quote, in this video, who said FTX was the safest and easiest way to trade crypto, Sassoon asked after one clip. Quote, Tom Brady, he responded, referring to the not former National Football League quarterback. After the jury was shown a follow-up clip, which Yadida called as an FTX Super Bowl ad, he was asked to identify another of FTX's celebrity promoters, comedian Larry David. Asked to describe Bankman Fried's role by Sassoon during his testimony, Yadida said he oversaw FTX's grand strategy. He will resume testimony on Thursday. So, if you were wondering how this trial is going, that's basically what's happened so far. I don't see Bankman Fried getting out of this. And if he does, then there's some powerful mojo behind the scenes. That's all I got to say about that. And that is going to do it for the Morning Roundup. Dad says jokes. I'm reading a horror book in Braille. Something bad is going to happen. I can feel it. All righty. All righty. So we have come to the end of the show. If you want to, if you want to support the show, then podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Get yourself a brand new spanking shiny ass podcasting 2.0 app. You can go to newpodcastapps.com. You can go to podcastindex.org forward slash apps. There's all manner of ways to find these things, but the new apps are so much better than the legacy apps and they enable you to support people like me and your other favorite podcasters out there that are devoting their lives, trying to get you guys educated or at least know about what the hell's going on in crypto as of today. And I appreciate that help. I appreciate the boost. I appreciate the streaming sats. I end up because of it, able to be one of the people that says I use lightning network every day and it works fantastic. So for all those people that are saying lightning network doesn't work, Uh, Yes, it does. It works every day, all day long for me. I get thousands of invoices a day. Some of them are only for one Satoshi apiece. Some of them are for two. Some of them are for 14. Some of the invoices represent boosts with like 21,000 Satoshis attached to it. But the amount of streaming Satoshis I get tells me that Lightning Network is working just fine. It's working just fine, guys. Now, I want to play for you a song. That's right, a song. And here it is. It's Paperboy featuring Skrilla Bobcat. Yeah. Classic. Magic. Okay. Okay. McFly. Look, I'm on 
on some new shit. Shit is light work. You got your fingers crossed, like it might work. Your boy pretty with a bitty and a tight skirt. Always in the city, nitty gritty with a slight smirk. Fly by like I came with the spaceship. Me fly spry, watch the game, get a facelift. Face it, I'm so fucking close, y'all can taste it. Why try? I am high fi shit is basic. I don't dance, but the homie does a product shuffle. Money stacks in a black Balenciaga duffel. Yeah, I'm in it just to win it. Y'all been in it for a minute. You can call it what you call it, but it's not a hustle. Spitting flames in the games and a lot of trouble. Sip a lot of champagne with a lot of bubbles. Snatch your girl up. That shit is easy though. I'm getting easy money. Easy come, easy go. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fucking fantastic. Rubber bands pop, money stretch like elastic. It ain't really news. I don't lose. I'm the paper boy. Classic magic on a steady move. See you later, boy. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fucking fantastic. Rubber bands pop, money stretch like elastic. It ain't really news. I don't lose. I'm the paper boy. Classic magic on a steady move. See you later, boy. And it's a natural habit. You gotta have it. That's out of classic and overdose of magic. The hat is where I found it. Leave women confounded. Check the top of my head and you'll see where the crown is. Different. Not only by residuals. No need for money, man. Just passion is plentiful. Cocky, not arrogant. Humble, not by experiment. Daddy raised a monster. Mother raised a gentleman. Esquire flow GQ like Gentry. Presidential took me. Leave the peasant life swiftly. No lights necessary when shifting my 60s. Southern boy headed west. Man, business is risky. Colorado home, I'm Colorado blown. The smile high with my nuggets in my three-point zone. Anything you need, I can make that work. Girls going berserk when they hear this first. Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fucking fantastic. Rubber bands pop, money stretch like elastic. It ain't really news, I don't lose. I'm that paper boy. Classic magic on a steady move. See you later, boy. Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fucking fantastic. Rubber bands pop, money stretch like elastic. It ain't really news, I don't lose. I'm that paper boy. Classic magic on a steady move. Catch a team up to speed, cause you're still very slow, boy. I'm on a roll, homie Pillsbury Dough, boy. I run the game like a touchdown runner, cause your boy stay hotter than a Chucktown summer look. I got the crazy flow, even when it's lazy, though. They try and doubt it, but they all thinking maybe so. I'm living life, got supreme for the stitches, rolling with a dream team. Y'all just dream for some wishes. Yeah, McFly still up on some ill shit. I still spit, still driven like a drill bit. I don't really have to prove it, you can hear it in the music. I do with no fever, but I'm still sick. I'm with an ill chick, homie, that's just real shit. Heard him with the tracks, got him looking for the kill switch. Yeah, they know to take a seat when I speak. Just a beast with the beats, about to feast when I eat. Hey, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fucking fantastic. Rubber bands pop, money stretch like elastic. It ain't really news, I don't lose, I'm the paper boy. Classic magic on a steady move, see you later, boy. Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fucking fantastic. Rubber bands pop, money stretch like elastic. It ain't really news, I don't lose, I'm the Paper boy, classic magic on a steady move. See you later, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm talking about right there, man. That's what I'm talking about. All right. <clears throat> that is going to do it for today's show. Again, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go if you want to support the show. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.